Isn't that in the 300s? 300 and something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, the reason I say that there's a bunch right there in the 300s that are just fantastic. Isn't it good? Jess, you doing okay? You're fishing to leave, weren't you? And I caught you, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Your Bible's open to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, just to let you know, for several weeks we are going to, on Sunday mornings, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. So Sunday mornings will be in Ephesians. Really looking at the work of the church. When you find Ephesians 1, okay, Ephesians 1, I want you to flip over to Acts, Acts chapter 20. And I just want to read a couple of verses out of Acts chapter 20 because this is where Paul visits Ephesus and uh, on his missionary journey, second missionary journey. And uh, it's interesting, you know, somewhere around 50, 51, 52 A.D., Paul uh, visited Ephesus, established the church, stayed there uh, three years. And, uh, and then when we read the book of Ephesians, you're probably looking at eight years after uh, Paul established the church. And then, if you'll remember also, since last, the last couple of Sundays we have looked at 2 Timothy. And of course, 2 Timothy was Paul's last letter to the believers at Ephesus, but he was writing to the pastor Timothy. And so those, the, all those inspired letters deal with, um, deal with the work of the church. And, you know, the pastoral epistle was obviously to Timothy and the and the the function of the church and the the epistle Ephesians is written to everybody in the church, so to speak. And here, it's just interesting to me what what is said uh, when Paul meets with the elders. So I, I'm looking in chapter twenty, Acts twenty. And if you've never read the book of Acts or studied the book of Acts, we finished this a couple of years ago. Uh, on Wednesday nights. As a matter of fact, we finished it probably right after COVID started and we were able to start back. I can't remember, but um, it is a wonderful book. It took me a year and a half or so to go through it on Wednesday nights, but it is an incredible book. And it gives you an overall picture of the work of the church. This, folks, it's full of people just like me and you. Sinners saved by grace. Gifted and called into the ministry, and and a people, a group of people in all these different cities, become the church, the body of Christ, and become an outpost of the gospel to share the love of Christ and the power of God in salvation. But Paul, look at verse seventeen, Acts twenty seventeen, says now from from Miletus he sent for to Ephesus and called for the elders. Uh, for the elders of the church to come to him. And of course, elders could also be the word bishop and also the word pastor or shepherd. Those three words are synonymous as far as the role. The elders of the church to come to him. And, and when they came to him, he said to them, and he's, he's talking to them, but I want you to drop down just for the sake of time. Uh, verse 25 he says, and now, uh, behold, I know that none of you, that none 
of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent. Obviously this isn't when he's at Ephesus. He's passing by the coastal area and he, and he stays. He doesn't go into the city because he doesn't have the time to be in the city. So he stays outside and calls the elders out. That's what this conversation is about. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now when we talk about the whole counsel of God, for us, that's the Old Testament and New Testament, primarily the New Testament now in the, New, in, in the age of grace. But this is why the better way to preach is to go verse by verse. You want to, you, we need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. Uh, that's why I don't read one little half of a verse and tell five stories and, and then, then have an altar call. We need to hear from God. So Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of people because I've declared the whole counsel of God. But look at the warning. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now there's the, well, uh, episkopos is the word there, overseers. So he's already called them elders and overseers. So he says the Holy Spirit has made them overseers of the church. Uh, so, so he says be careful, uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained by His own blood. What's interesting to me when I read that, I think immediately the first time the word church is used in the Bible. Our, our word church, the original word, was by Jesus. And He says, I will build my church. That's before He went to the cross. But He says, I will build my church. He owns the church. It's His church. So every local church, and the word church, just quickly, it's your theology. The word ecclesia, you don't care, that's the word for church, appears 115 times in the New Testament. You can look it up yourself if you do blue letter, don't do it now, but blue letter Bible, it'll show you the word ecclesia appears 115 times. About 99 of those are speaking about a local church just like this. So when the Bible says, when Christ says, I will build my church, or Paul's talking about the church that he purchased with his blood. Yeah, he is talking about everybody that's ever been saved. But specifically, he's talking about churches like ours. Because we are the church. We're the local church. And we, the Bible says, are the body of Christ. So we represent Christ in a local way. We, we bear his name. We are his body. And we distribute the truth in our area, so to speak. But look what he says. Be careful, attend yourselves, flock of God. And he says, uh, he bought with his own blood. So you and I are blood bought, but the church is blood bought. This body, a church, 
a true church, according to the book of Acts, if you, you know, the book of Acts kind of tells us the, the main things that have to be present for the, it to actually be a church. If you're a church, it's a blood-bought church. So our, individually, I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. In our class, read this in Colossians 2 where it says our sin debt was nailed and, you know, to the cross. And basically he's saying that the sin debt we owed was paid in full by the blood of Christ. But So by the blood, so the church has been bought. He said he obtained it with his own blood. And here's the warning. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, now this is, he's saying, so you'll have wolves out there, but then he says, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw you away, to draw away the disciples after them. They will speak twisted Things. Now let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Your Bible's open there to Ephesians chapter 1. I had brought, I think, a couple of years ago when we did, or three or four years ago when we did, we, we spent a couple of years talking about the church being the body of Christ. And so, uh, so I pulled a couple of sheets. This is things I shared with you. Then let's say four years ago, and, and I know you don't remember them. I, I didn't remember everything. I had to pull them out of my, my folder. I just want you to listen to some of these, some of these statements or, or verses that the Bible says about the body of Christ, and then we'll get into the passage of Ephesians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you're members of it. So, again, without hounding you about this, every one of you that are saved, every one of us that's born again, we're a member in the body, this body. So, all of us individually, but yet we, we attach ourselves. There's one body. And, of course, we know Christ is the head. That's 1 Corinthians 12, then Romans 12, 5 says, this was our verse that we used. So we, uh, this was our theme verse under the body of Christ. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Isn't that awesome? We belong to one another. We're the body. And, and of course the context there is will the hand tell the ear, I don't need you kind of thing. And all of us know how important even external nor internal. We know either one of them. All, of, all the parts of the body are important. Uh, you've heard of the piriformis muscle? Just briefly, the piriformis muscle is in the hip. And when it gets enlarged, it hits all these nerves that shoot fire down your leg. I didn't know it existed. I have one. Mine's swollen, been swollen for about four months. And sometimes it's brutal to walk. Well, my body functioned a lot better when I didn't have a swollen piriformis muscle. But this is true. You know, I could, I'm not here to tell a sad story. We all have our sad stories. We're, we're, we, we, we're in the, we, 
We're like Adam. We're cursed. And these things happen. But every part of your body is important for it to function. And, and so now let's roll over spiritually. Every believer, yes, even the ones that, have, that are not here and aren't regular like they should be, if they're saved, they're part of this body and they have a responsibility to the body. So he says, so we though many are one body in Christ and every member is one of another. Ephesians 4.12, we'll read this maybe today. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's, that's the role of pastors and teachers, to equip the saints. For the work of service, ministry, service. Colossians 1.18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything... He might be preeminent. So the one place that Christ should always be exalted is head and be first place and where His will should rule is where? In the church. In my life and in the church. Jesus is Lord and people should see it in the church. Ephesians 5, 29, For no one ever hated... This is marriage in the church... The blending. For no one ever hated his own flesh. Talking about marriage. But nourishes and cherishes it. Talking about a husband should love his wife. Just as Christ does the church. Because we're members of his body. We're his bride. That's what it says. And we're going to read this in a minute. And he put all things. This is Ephesians 1. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Colossians 2.19 says, and he, Paul, there's those that didn't, so he was saying, and not holding, this group of people were not holding fast to the head, to Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So when people are connected to Christ, they grow. If they're not connected to Christ, they won't grow. So this was a little handout I gave, and it was called the body of Christ. Your, your Bible's open to Ephesians 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1. I don't like giving my sermons titles. Because I chase too many rabbits, you know, to focus, to narrow down anything. Sometimes it's like a shotgun, you know, I just shoot out there and see what, I, I'm just kidding. But I do have an outline every Sunday, but I don't follow it sometimes. But I wrote this at the top of my thing. You can come see it, power to the people. But, but I wrote power to or in His people. Not the people, but His people. We're going to learn today now. Now think about now. The book of Ephesians was written after we read what was in Acts. Acts 20 is really getting close to his third missionary journey. It is his third. The second missionary journey is when he went into Ephesus and stayed three years. So, so we're gone for like 50 to 51, 52 A.D. to like 60 A.D. when he wrote Ephesus, Ephesians. And now we're in about 64, 65 A.D. when he wrote 2 Timothy. So the book of Ephesians was written several years after what we just read. 
And he's talking about the health of the church. This is what the book of Ephesians is about. And I want to spend several weeks in the book of Ephesians. Um, when I got here 20 some odd years ago, uh, most of you don't remember that, but I preached through the book of Ephesians and I stayed so long in Ephesians 2 that all of our passwords at the time in the office was Ephesians 2. Because that's all anybody ever knew. Everybody knew we were here and where we were going to go, so they turned to Ephesians 2. So I want to begin reading in Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 11. And uh, this is just absolutely profound. I I want to grapple with it with you. And uh, it may take us a couple of weeks to, to comprehend everything that Paul's saying about our responsibilities and the glory of God in the church, but... But before I read it, sorry. Look at all the look, look at all the times he says something about the church. Just get get your Bible ready. He says something, and I'm going to show you how many. Times. Look at verse 22. I'm in chapter one. I want to show you how many times he mentions the church or the body. So so verse 22, we read it a while ago, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Okay. Uh, look at chapter uh, two, uh, verse. Uh, 16 says, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. So we'd be one. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're another term for the church. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Uh, membership in the church is important. Uh, the temple, he calls us grow into a holy temple. That's in verse 21. Uh, in him, verse 22, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God. So uh, a whole, an, like a holy of holies. Uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 6 says members of the same body. Verse 10, through the church. Look at 310, that's an important verse. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's probably the evil forces because the good angels know what's going on. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known. The multicolored work of God. Verse 14 calls us family. Now from every family in heaven and earth is named. Look at verse uh, 21 of chapter 3. To Him be glory in the church. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And over all and through all and in all. That's an extremely important theological verse. There's a lot we should have in common. Because the Spirit that baptized us all baptized us the same way. We were saved in the same way. You know, so, uh, so that's what he's. Look at verse uh, chapter 4 still. Look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. We read it a while ago for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, Look at verse 16 of chapter 4. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Talking about the church. Chapter 5, uh, and really uh, ch- chapter 5, you get over here to verse 22 where he's talking about the marriage, comparing it to the church. He mentions the church six or seven times between verse 22 and verse uh, 33. Verse 32 says, This mystery is profound, and I am saying this. It refers to Christ in the church. So he's talking about marriage is a picture of Christ in the church is what he's talking about. Um, see if there's any more. I think that's just about it in, in, in the book of Ephesians. Now back to chapter 1. So you see, dozens and dozens of times Paul mentions the body. And really there's other, there's other uh, metaphors he uses in Ephesus and the book of Ephesians to talk about the church, but the body and the church would be two. Uh, the household of God would be three. So there's several more, but he mentions it all throughout the book. So we're talking about the church. It says, in Him. I love it where Paul... Um, I've always found this to be interesting. In, remember when Paul, people were bragging, braggarts were coming behind him in, in uh, Corinth and bragging about what they had experienced. And they were, he called them pseudo apostles, fake apostles. So Paul says, Well, let me brag a little bit. This is in 1 Corinthians 12. And so Paul's going to describe himself, but he's going to describe himself being taken to the third heaven. You can read this in First Corinthians. This is how he starts it out. And I've really never thought about it this way, but it's profound. He says, rather than saying, I, Paul, you know how he starts it? I know a man in Christ. Now he's talking about himself, Walter. I'm, and what Paul's referring to is the difference in his life. Paul says, I know a man in Christ. And he goes on to talk about whether in the flesh, I mean, in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I know one thing, I was, I'm in Christ. In him and in Christ, about 40 times in the book of Ephesians. Can I ask you to think, think about that? What does it mean to be in him, in Christ? He says, in Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now he's talking about the Father there. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. Folks, that's getting saved right there. Right? When you heard the word of truth, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the gospel of your salvation, good news of your salvation, and believed in Him. We believe. Today we read a verse in Sunday school, and it's so 
descriptive of being saved. He says in Colossians 2, as you received Christ. You know, we, we did receive Him, right? We believed in Him. We repented. All, but from a personal standpoint, He became ours by faith. We received Him. And then Paul says to the Colossians, as you received Christ, so walk in Him. But when we were, says the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's just incredible. I'll say something about that. Just sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, documents were sealed. Uh, there's a there's a scroll at the end of the book of at the end of the Bible, and Revelation, and there's a seal. There's a there's a scroll with seals on it. Remember how many seals there are? Seven. And who can open those seals? Because he he's the owner. This is this is the history of the world. This is the title deed. This is a document of the history of the world. Well, who's who's worthy to open that to break the seals? Well, he is. So a seal sealed a document to verify its authenticity. You've been sealed by the Spirit. This is why Paul argues in Romans, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, folks, I'm a sinner. I act like a moron sometimes. I know that. But if, if you and I don't have the Spirit of Christ, we don't live like Him. If people can't, discern that we have a relationship with Christ. Paul says to the Romans, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not one of His. And, he's, and he ver- verifies that by using the word seal. A, 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 a cargo. A cargo had seals. And nobody could open the seal except the person it was sealed to. Anyway, so it's sealed with... And by the way, the greatest thing was that, that you study it and it was the scholars will tell you that the greatest thing this word was is engagement ring. Is when a husband would give a wife a, a promise, a ring of promise that we're going to be married. And, and so, so, you know, we, and we've been bound to Christ. We are married to Him. We've been betrothed. But He hasn't come back to get us yet. But He will, right? Now see, folks, I've been thinking about this all week long. This, this is not, a joke. We, I'm not religious, so I won't feel guilty. This isn't a pep talk. We're not, we're not some social group. We're not, this isn't therapy. You and I claim to have been saved by the living God by faith in His Son who became a Jewish man. And all of the record, this is verified, that Christ came and did what He did. So, here's the point that the Bible makes. I want you to think about this. If Jesus died, and He did, and He saves me when I believe in Him, will not God do everything else He said He's going to do? It's what the Bible argues. If Christ did not, if he, since he gave up his own life, that's what it says, 
shed his own blood. Will he not give us everything else that's in this book? So, you know, that's why a lot of this stuff is imperative. It's not suggesting, it's not just history, it's commands, it's imperative that you do this. But to many New Testament, to many 21st century Christians, Christ isn't Lord. They're not active church members. They're not sacrificing for the cause of Christ. Many of us often get so in love with the world, we're no good to the kingdom. We'll we'll spend more on cable TV than we'd ever think about giving to the church. But we're saying... God's in us. That's what we want to claim. The church is a joke to the world a lot of times. And there's nobody to blame but ourselves. Um, Think about being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I mean, God in the spirit form tabernacles inside of us. I don't know how He does that. He's a spirit. He can do it. And... uh, But He does. So God is in me. His very Spirit, the Spirit that Christ had, that same Spirit is in me. Is in you. So how in the world can I live like hell in my life? I don't, but I'm just saying, how how can people to love Christ, to know Christ, but yet live like the devil? Who is, he tells us, the Spirit is, who is the, I'm verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? To the praise of His, I love that, he says, to the praise of His glory. Often Paul say, to the praise of His glorious grace. Don't you love to praise the Lord for His grace? To the praise of the glory of His rich grace, or His mercy. Now I want you to, verses 15. (laughs) I just look at the clock. Isn't it awesome? I tell you what I promise you I'll do. I'm going to read 15 through 23. And we'll close. Hear God's word. This is... This is what God's doing for the church. So we're saved, you know, predestined, saved, changed, we spilled by the Spirit. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, and this interesting, faith and love. Uh, think about 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. 13, 13 says, Now abide. See, 13, you can remember this. It's easy. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, because 13 is the love chapter. And it's 13, 13, last verse of the chapter. Now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. So faith and love, he mentions that. So for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease 
to give thanks for you. So he's praying. He's told him he's been praying for him. So, so a lot of this is a prayer, what he's been praying for. It's theological, but it's what he's been praying for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So we learned that, you know, 1 Corinthians 3, 18, you know, says looking, becoming like Him, you know. So we want to grow. <clears throat> the Spirit of in Revelation, <clears throat> having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. Three profound statements about having our eyes enlightened when He says that you may know. And He gives those three things. Verse 20, verse 20 says, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Far above Christ is far above all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Jesus is Lord. He is the exalted one. Now, and He put all things under His feet and gave Him, that's the Father gave the Son, and gave Him as head over all things. He became the head of what? The church. The eternal God became a human being and He is now exalted to the right hand of the Father. The Father has given Him all authority. That same Lord Jesus is head of this church. Or is supposed to be head of the church. Also head of your life, head of the church. Then He says, which the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now, Christ fills all in all, but we're His body. And we're to be doing some filling. We're to fill this world, this community. We need to fill this with His presence. We're His body. We'll talk about that next Sunday. Amen? Man, this is incredible. Let's stand together. I wrote down four words in my Bible. This passage will purify me. This passage will make me plan to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this passage always also tells me about my exalted position in Christ. If I'm in Him, remember, if I'm in Him, He's exalted. Guess who's been exalted with Him? We have. That's why Paul's going to tell us in chapter 2 that we're seated in the heavenlies with Him, even now. We do His work now. Let's pray. Father, we love You. and.
Thank you for your grace and mercy. Oh, Lord, thank you for the Scriptures. God, bless this church. Help me, God. Help me be a better shepherd. God, help us to be obedient, sacrificial. Help us to love the body. Help us to love one another. Lord, help us be committed to the local church that you shed your blood for. Now, Lord, as we leave here, we want to be witnesses. We want to display the Spirit of Christ. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.